This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers, Christoph Trapp here, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for joining us. Another live stream of the podcast. So if you're listening to this on the replay, so to speak, on one of the 19 podcast channels, make sure you connect on LinkedIn or Twitter. Uh, always live streaming there as well. So today's topic, I want to talk about influencer marketing. Should you do it? What do you have to think about, et cetera, et cetera. And the guy that's coming on the show, he's still sitting in the comfy green room right here on the show. It's the comfiest green room I've heard this side of the Mississippi, even though he's on the other side of the Mississippi. But anyway, so Jason Falls is the guy that got me going on this whole live streaming thing. I was on his show and I was like, Jason, get to me, man. Get to me. I'm waiting in the green room. Yes, it's comfy. The drinks are great. But he kept talking about all this other stuff. Look at my iPad. Look at this and look at that. And uh, I can show you how to do live stream to a gazillion channels and easy breezy on your iPad. And I thought, holy buckets, I should do it. And it has been worth it. So first of all, let's bring him on here. And Jason, thanks for, first of all, for for getting me on that bandwagon. I mean, it was, uh, I'm glad I'm doing it. I'm glad you are too, and I'm I'm glad I stalled and uh, you know told every and told uh, everybody about uh, restream and Switcher Studio and all the stuff I was doing because now you're doing something cool with it. That's great. I mean, I use it all the time, but it is a little tiring, right? To be to be on air nonstop. I feel like I'm on TV, and except I don't have to dress up, so I'm <laughs> winning as it comes to that. Um, so you got a new show, Winfluence. Yeah, so I, my my typical the show that you were on is called Digging Deeper, and that mm-hmm. is kind of a live stream podcast, uh, kind of like what you're doing now. Uh, we do it on Tuesday mornings uh, at eight a.m. Eastern, seven a.m. Central, and it's kind of a product of Cornette, the agency where I work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I interview people just like you're interviewing me about lots of different you know topics in the marketing world. We'd like to focus on creativity and strategy. But I've got a new book coming out uh, in the early part of 2021 called Winfluence. Um, uh, reframing influencer marketing to uh, ignite your brand is the name of the book. Doesn't come out till probably February now. The publisher and I keep going back and forth on the date. Uh, but I started a podcast as a companion for that. And the podcast is also called Winfluence, the Influence Marketing Podcast. It's an audio only podcast. I don't do the crazy live stream and everything with it. I just do that as a regular audio podcast. But I talk very specifically about the influencer marketing space. I interview people from brands who are leveraging influencers. I talk to influencers and how they work with brands. I also talk to people in the influencer vendor services space. So the software companies and whatnot about the topics that are relevant to the influencer marketing world so that people, businesses and brands can get smarter about doing it. So, of course, I've been doing influencer marketing myself, and so have you. You do different campaigns here and there. And one of my favorite campaigns, uh, Jason, that I never ran, but it was a fun experience. They reached out to me and they said, we would you like you to, we would like to partner with you on this project. And it, I'm like, okay, who is it for? What is it? And I said, it's uh, 
this product and it's for men. I'm like, okay, like what kind of man? Like, like fitness dudes? Like I was doing a fitness blog at the time. And they said, no, like all the men. I'm like, okay, interesting. <laughs> so you know where this is going, right? So they finally uh, emailed me back and they sent me a script and whatever for like a video. And it was like a, you know, male erectile dysfunction kind of thing or, or the opposite. So I did send him a proposal for a quarter million. I said for my wife, I said, I'll do this video for a quarter million. I mean, why not? And they wrote back, oh, sorry, I think your audience might not be the right fit. <laughs> which no kidding i agree but it was a fun experience that's um, hysterical <laughs> so so but how do you so so how, when it comes to companies i mean what are your tips how how do they work with influencers how do you find them how do you reach out to them and you know, there you go that's three questions in one okay so i mean i think you you always have to start with the goal right you know what's your overall business goal what's your overall marketing goal influencers may or may not fall into that uh, equation. More more often than not, there's some version of influencer marketing that can help you achieve that goal, whether it's to drive more awareness around your brand or drive more conversions, online sales. There's lots of different reasons uh, to use influencers. I'll go back even further and broaden the perspective of influencer marketing a bit. I'm a PR guy by trade. And so for people in corp comms and uh, public relations, you may want to have an influencer marketing campaign that's really all about messaging and positioning your company or your product a certain way to kind of reinforce, um, you know, the message talking points that your brand has. So it doesn't always have to be about driving people to buy things. It doesn't always have to be about reach and impressions and awareness. It can be about uh, helping you accomplish a, a variety of communication strategies. But I think first and foremost, you have to start with your goals, understand what you're trying to achieve, understand the audience that you're trying to achieve them with, and then look out there and say, okay, who influences that audience? And if it happens to be people online, the traditional sort of, well, it's the new slash traditional version of what we call uh, influencers, um, then you're going to look on Instagram, you're going to look on YouTube, et cetera. But I would even say, again, let's keep that that scope of work really, really broad. Um, and let's call them people uh, who are influential because it might be that if you are, I'll give you a great example. So if you're a, a local hospital, this falls into uh, a topic that you know a lot about, Christoph. So healthcare, let's say you're a local hospital and your, your goal in the region, in the area is to influence um, you know, moms uh, to bring their children to your, you know, ch children's specialists or your children's hospital as part of your sort of long-term marketing to make sure that you're top of mind for them. You're the medical center of choice when they have the need for that type of, of stuff. You could very um, look at influencer marketing very simply and say, well, let's go find mommy bloggers and, you know, local mom parent influencers online on Instagram and YouTube, and let's develop some content collaboration with them uh, to help keep our brand top of mind. But it might also be that you realize, hey, we're just trying to influence this audience of parents. Well, who else influences them? Think broadly about it, not just about influencers online. And when you when you look at that topic, parents of school aged children, well, 
uh, guidance counselors and, and, and nurses at local elementary schools, teachers are going to be very influential over those particular, that particular audience. So maybe your influence marketing campaigns are not necessarily focused on Instagram or YouTube. Maybe they're focused on developing some word of mouth programs with local teachers and local uh, guidance counselors, local, uh, you know, health department officials and or uh, school nurses. So you've got to think about it in terms of what audience you're trying to reach, what you're trying to accomplish with that audience, and then identifying the people who influence them. There's plenty of tools out there in the online space. If you're looking at influencer marketing, which I think backs you into the corner and says you've got to use social networks. Um, there's lots of tools out there that will help you identify people who have large followings or people who create content around a specific topic. Uh, but I think it really goes back to just good old fashioned marketing strategy and asking where are the channels where we're going to reach the audience we're trying to reach? Who influences and impacts those people and in, through what channels? And then how can we collaborate and create content on those channels to make those connections? Uh, Jason, I used to have a T-shirt before I outgrew it. That was a couple of years ago. <laughs> yep, gained some weight. It used to say <laughs> everyone is an influencer to somebody. Mm -hmm. So certainly it can be online, can be offline. The, the other thing I want to mention, I don't think you were going down this route, but, but you were talking about YouTube, Instagram, whatever. I don't, how do you feel about single channel campaigns? I, mm. I always lean towards let's blow it up. Let's do all these channels because here's the thing. There is so many things out of my control and I like to have control. But sometimes the live stream takes off on LinkedIn. Sometimes it gets no views. Sometimes it takes off on Twitter. Very rarely does it take off on YouTube, right? Sometimes the podcast take off, takes off. I had a show the other day, had like 40,000 views. How did that happen? 40,000 downloads. It happened because the SEO for a related article shot through the roof. So everybody was um, listening to the show, but their mm -hmm. intent wasn't even to listen to the show. Their intent was to find the article. So it's kind of like I, I tried to tell everybody I'm the expert or whatever, but at the end of the day... Like there's so much out of my control, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, smart marketing is going to be a multiple touch point approach. Uh, and therefore, mm -hmm. if you're looking at influence marketing, you might want to say, hey, uh, we really like Instagram. That's where our brand is. That's where we're trying to build and grow our audience. So we're going to focus on Instagram. But you would be remiss if you didn't try to find Instagram influencers, uh, or influential people on Instagram who didn't also have really good YouTube channels or didn't also have a blog or a website where they can publish articles that they can link back to your website and your social channels to help your SEO. So thinking holistically about, okay, how can we leverage a given influencer or a given set of influencers and how many different ways can we take advantage of uh, that relationship and collaborating with them on multiple platforms if you're not doing that, if you're not thinking about it sort of broadly like that, you're missing opportunities. And you certainly, uh, you know, as as you described, you don't want to miss the opportunity to suddenly get a big influx of uh, traffic to your content because you happened to have a piece of content that was relevant uh, when something else somewhere else that was beyond your control uh, you know, blew up. Yeah, a lot of things are out of my control. I don't like it. I like to have control. But the <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? The SEO yeah. part is interesting too. So I was on your show, I don't know when, a few months ago. And then I also, I talked about my new book, Content Performance Culture. And then 
I also was on Nick Westergaard's um, show yep. on, on brand mm-hmm. and same topic. And both of you guys do an article or show notes or whatever on your website. So what was interesting, it, it was just you invited me on. It was not an influencer program necessarily. And when people started searching for my book, I think I wrote about this actually. My book showed up. My book's podcast showed up. You showed up. Nick showed up. And so what happened is that was instant credibility, mm-hmm. but you have no metrics, right? So if I would have hired you as an influencer, which we didn't do, but if I would have, you have no metrics. You can't even say to me, hey, look, here's how much you got out of me, but I got a lot out of you because you gave me credibility. <laughs> that's true. And I, and I think really smart influencers, if you if you are you know sort of selling that and, and that's a, a way that you're approaching influence marketing to be on someone else's podcast, smart influencers are going to be able to quantify that and say, hey, if you're on my show, then you get you know the, the appearance uh, on the show and the people who listen and download the show are going to hear it. But you also get a corresponding you know blog post on my website with inbound links that help your SEO. Here's the value, according to Google, of my domain rank and all that kind of stuff. So um, if you understand holistically the uh, marketing in terms of everything from, you know, influence marketing to advertising to SEO, et cetera, then you know, hey, there's lots of benefits for being on someone's podcast beyond just the exposure to the podcast audience. Every time someone comes on one of my shows, as you said, there's a corresponding article on my website. I'm not sure what jasonfalls.com's domain rank in domain rank is right now. It's probably in the 40s or 50s, which is fairly respectable. So that's a reputable website telling Google this person, this website is someone that I trust to link to. And therefore, that's going to lift Christoph's website and content up in Google's eyes, which helps Christoph when people are searching for relevant keywords that uh, attract uh, searches to what he's doing. Such a humble gentleman. Uh, 74, according to Uber <laughs> suggests. So wow. not, not terrible. JasonFoles.com, 74 domains score. So if you guys don't know what that is, uh, zero to 100, the higher you are, closer to 100, the better um, in general. So, I would have guessed I would have guessed mid 50s. So I'm doing better than I thought. That's good. <laughs> that's Uber suggests. So I use the uh, and you guys should try this. Uber suggests um, the Chrome plugin. Um, so I, I literally just typed in Jason Falls in Google and then Uber suggests since I got the plugin turned on, it tells me the the domain score. It tells me how many people searching for Jason Falls per month, uh, 90 people per month in the U.S. And then I can change it right there without ever leaving, uh, without ever leaving uh, Google. Very, very cool uh, platform that Neil Patel put together. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do influencers, Jason, how do they quantify that, though? I mean, how do you uh, I mean, I know there is a push. I mean, every time somebody talks to me, right, and every time somebody wants to pay me money or or I say, well, I'll do it, but here's the cost or whatever, mm-hmm. they always say, how many clicks can we expect? How many this? How many that? How many people will yeah. read it? How many people will, like nobody ever says, what's the long-term effect, right? People always right. want to know, what do we do? How can I lose 40 pounds today, doctor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 it my answer to that is always it depends because, you know, I've worked with a number of different 
podcast sponsors, a number of different people who've wanted to collaborate on content with me over the years. And then on the other side, you know, I work at Cornette, a full service agency, and we engage influencers on behalf of our brands. And so I work with other influencers and they tell me what, you know, uh, we can get out of it. And I'm smart enough to know if they say, well, I can guarantee 250 clicks. That's complete BS because you can't guarantee anything uh, unless you're faking it. And if you're faking it, I don't want to you know, work with you because that's that's a whole different um, you know, ball of wax. What I typically tell people and what I look for from other influencers is give me the sort of you know average number of downloads for your show, the average number of page views and whatnot. Um, if you do trackable links uh, and have engaged with other companies in the past and you can share, hey, the average click-through rate for my campaigns is this, that's going to be relevant to me. Um, but I also want to know things like what is your domain rank of your website? If you're going to do a blog post or uh, article on your site that links back to me, what's the benefit there? Again, if you, the business or the brand, approach it from that holistic perspective of I want to know the the immediate turnaround, the number of clicks. Uh, but I also want to look at things like number of followers, number of engagements that you typically get. I'm going to look at, you know, are, am I going to get links from your website? Is that going to help my SEO? Will you give me permission uh, to either give you extra money to uh, put paid promotion behind the, the social posts mm -hmm. that you do for me? Or will you give me access to uh, promote your posts through my, you know, ad managers on Google or Facebook and other things? So there's lots of ways you can approach influencer marketing from a business or a brand perspective and say, here's what I want to immediately get out of it. But let's make sure we're engaging people that give us much more than just that short term uh, you know, sort of, of of satisfaction to get the the click, and also uh, build a longer term relationship with them that can build a much bigger program. So, how do you how do you feel about the whole topic um, of time and production, or for example, versus outcomes? Right. So it used to be. Um, so when we do a, like, so I just did some articles, right, for some brands and mm -hmm. whether the articles perform or not, and fingers crossed, I hope they do, but I still have to put in time to write it, right? Mm -hmm. And it used to be there was never any debate for production ever. And now it's like, well, we'll write you for the, we'll pay you for the performance, we'll pay you for whatever. How do you feel about that mix? And how do you, how do you kind of move forward from that? Pay per performance works with influencers that have thousands and thousands of followers. Pay for performance doesn't work for micro influencers, nano influencers, because again, the, 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 the scales of justice, if you will, in this case are, they've got a lot of followers. Uh, and so they don't, if a pay for, for performance is going to work for them because a CPM is going to produce revenue, right? If they don't have a lot of followers, then you're going to need to compensate them for their time because, and, and, and there's a couple different ways I would look at that. For instance, I have, I don't know what my total number of followers are online, but I am a very niche influencer. I'm an influencer within the marketing space, maybe within the influencer social media marketing space. So I'm not going to reach hundreds of thousands of people. A CPM for me doesn't make any sense. But a B2B company who comes to me and is selling marketing software and engages me as a sponsor of my podcast 
or collaborates with me on creating a video or some other form of content that I'm sharing out there with my audience. And I'm sort of letting them borrow my trust and my influence to say, I trust this company and I like what they do and you should check them out. Um, They might sell one, they might make one conversion depending upon the software that's worth $60,000 a year. So a CPM doesn't work for me because I don't have a huge audience. Um, But if they compensate me fairly for my time, it could be very profitable and productive for them because um, one conversion could mean a lot of money. Now, I'm not going to make any sense for a company like Logitech comes to me and says, we're going to pay you a CPM to see how many, uh, you know, mice and keyboards you can sell for us. I just don't reach enough people for CPM to make any sense. But if you're a software company that has a, a large purchase for the audience that I have, and I can influence people to pay two or three hundred dollars a month for your software, well, now all of a sudden paying me, you know, five or six hundred dollars for my time to create that content that does that's worthwhile. Yeah, and I, I typically just have a flat fee, honestly. That I, you know, here's where I start, and you can always negotiate. Of course, uh, how about? Tra- I mean, certainly, uh, totally in agreement with you. It makes sense. Uh, and I mean, you certainly have a relatively large following. To, I mean, it's all relative, right? Um, mm-hmm. Considerable to some people. Um, how about tracking? So I use the Google Analytics uh, campaign URL builder. I mean, even mm-hmm. tomorrow uh, we're doing a live stream and I already built the URL so they can tell where they're coming from. Now, mm-hmm. of course, I, you know, they have to actually look at that. And depending on what their what their tool is, I mean, I know like in fresh sales, if people use that link to sign up, it carries over into the CRM. I'm sure others do that as well, sure. um, you know, but they still ha- they have to have the, the system in place to see it, right? That that's where it came from if and when there are clicks. Uh, what other ways have you seen that work? How do you recommend that people track those things? So from from the influencer to the brand perspective, if I'm the influencer working with a brand, the way that I typically do it is just like you said, if they say uh, if, if they give me a link, like, for instance, you stream and Switcher Studio, if they give me a link that says, you know, uh, switcherstudio.com, just send people there. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tack on those UTM parameters to that URL, make a short URL so that I can easily share it. But it's going to tell their Google Analytics this traffic came from campaign influencers and, uh, you know, uh, or medium uh, influencers and source Jason Falls. I'm going to tack that UTM parameter onto the link that I share so that if they are paying attention to their Google Analytics, or even if they're not, I can say, hey, go look at your source and mediums uh, on your website traffic and tell me how many came from uh, you know, medium influencers and source Jason Falls. So you can actually feed that data into their analytics without them ever asking you to do so. And then you can just tell them, hey, go look at that and see how many came through. So you can kind of teach them to track those UTM parameters. That's one way of doing it. Another way is use your own URL shortener and just tell them, hey, I delivered 400 clicks and I can prove that by pulling the data down from Bitly or whatever one you're using. And here's the number of clicks. So you should have corresponding uh, clicks on your Google Analytics that are coming from, you know, either my domain or my social channels or whatever. That's where the UTM parameters are helpful because they don't always translate into the Google Analytics unless Mm -hmm. you have the UTM parameter set. If I'm going the other way, if I'm the brand and I'm working with influencers, I'm, I'm, I I literally do this with, with the campaigns we do at Cornette. 
uh, when we have identified, let's say we've identified 50 influencers that we're going to reach out to, I will have my campaign, you know, website URL.com slash landing page. And I will put that into the Google UTM parameter generator for all 50 influencers and generate a unique short URL for each one. And I give them that link and say, this is the link we want you to share. Do not, you know, share this anywhere other than don't change this at all. Use this. Don't use our website URL. Use this short link because it's tied to our tracking. I can literally go into uh, one of the brands that I work with is 1792 Bourbon. And I do some influencer uh, campaigns with them because I help uh, create their 1792 style content. So we have guest authors and whatnot will come in and, and offer articles to that particular property. I will, when I have a guest post, uh, someone who writes an article for me, I give them a short URL. I track it in my spreadsheet and I say to them, use this to share uh, the, the, the article with your network. I can go into my Google Analytics and tell you exactly how many people and how many website conversions, time on site, et cetera, every single one of those influencers that I use is worth. And that helps me prioritize those influencers for future engagements. Yeah, but all that all that's work, right? So brands really need to remember that. I mean, if we expect influencers to, you know, create the content, do the work, mm -hmm. go through the processes. And I always in my contracts, I always have a timeline, right? I'm going to get you this at this time in the game. Uh, whenever you do the next thing, my next clock starts running. So because otherwise, you know, people take their time and they don't, you know, they don't get back to you. You're waiting. Mm -hmm. So guess what? I'm, you know, but it all takes time. And and even the processes, I mean, the politics and going back and forth. I mean, it's some companies. It's like it's out of control. That's true. And they, there's there's ways to overcome that. And, and I, I have the yeah. advantage of working with some brands that use some of the uh, influencer marketing platforms that are a little bit bigger, more robust and have that kind of built in <clears> tracking. So if you're using an Isaiah or, you know, a, a mighty scout is one that I've, I've run across recently for uh, Instagram influencer campaigns and you plug their uh, information in uh, the influencers information in, you have the influencers use the same hashtags. Those tools will pull all that for you and say, this is exactly the number of you know, reach impressions, awareness, engagement, click-throughs, et cetera, that all these influencers had for your campaign. But I also have clients that don't necessarily have the budgets for those big tools and we'll do, we'll track them manually. And so uh, Alan Marler and Maddie Moynihan on my team and I will again, create the spreadsheet. Here's the 50 influencers. Let's go generate those unique URLs for each one. Let's email them individually and tell them just use this URL. But what that, you know, maybe a half hour's worth of work, extra work does means at the end of the month, I can hit a button and get a report on how effective my influencers are. And again, I can take the bottom 10% and say, I'm not going to use them again. Take the top 10%, increase their budget. And, you know, the middle uh, 80%, I guess, if my math's right, we're going to keep working with them and see where they fall on that 100% range. We are certainly in a content performance culture. I mean, let's <laughs> cut the bottom 10%. That's like the Jack Walsh uh theory right fire the bottom 10 percent and yep. um, every year but will you just mention there how does that fit in with all the different social channels i mean so we talked about that already you know this is going to uh, twitter uh, youtube linkedin mm -hmm. and i i hate to believe i mean i i have to believe that the few hundred views on linkedin matter um how how is that being calculated how do we how do we keep track of 
those three channels. And then, by the way, then there is 20 more podcast channels, which, of course, I'm, overst- <laughs> I'm, I'm sensationalizing this a little bit here because that's all aggregated in Anchor, right, um, where, where I'm publishing my podcast. But it's, it's kind of fractured, it is. And, it, and to, to measure everything down to the nth degree, is, mm-hmm. it takes time, it's layered, it's complicated. Like, for instance, if you if with those influencers, I wanted to say, OK, I want to know uh, all of the traffic coming from that particular influencer to my website. That's a pretty straightforward, simple thing. If I wanted to say I want to know where inf- this influencer's traffic came from YouTube versus Facebook versus Twitter, now I've got to break down those specialized URLs a little bit more. And I need to say this is coming from uh, you know medium influencers, uh, uh, source Jason Falls campaign Twitter or you know some other. UTM parameter in there that breaks it down even further. And then I have to make it more complicated for the influencer to say, only share this link on Twitter versus this different link on Facebook. So the more granular you need to get with your measurement and attribution, the more complex it can be. Um, But there's obviously ways that you can mitigate that by saying, look, let's just measure the influencers and not worry about breaking them down by channel. You can, however, also use your UTM parameters and your Google Analytics to say, let's look at all the traffic that came from Facebook, and now let's break it down by those UTM parameters so that I can see each influencer's impact from Facebook. So you can you can divide and conquer if you need to. Yeah, a lot of work. Uh, uh, 1792 Bourbon, um, if they need uh, unpaid influencer, I'm happy to volunteer somebody. <laughs> um, <laughs> not hey, I got the... I got the whole family right there. That's the, that's the current <laughs> expressions of 1792 bourbon right there over my shoulder. Got, got so, the whole yeah. family. Not typically a fan of offering unpaid work. So, but, but I get pitched all the time, Jason. You probably do too. You know, the other day I had some, some humidifier company email me. I don't know why. And now I'm in the humidifier uh, game apparently. Uh, we do have a dehumidifier in our basement. So I don't know if they knew that. Maybe I tweeted about it. I don't think so. But basically, know. basically what they said is, uh, you know, we'll pay you to buy it and then they want me to talk about it for free, I guess. Um, but so, first of all, that could be a scam, right? Because if I have to pay for it first, could be. Uh, they might never pay me back. Um, but what is the deal with all these? Everybody wants people to do unpaid work. And I know you guys have right. talked about unpaid influencers before. Where's sure. that mix? What's uh, how does that go? You know, it's 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 a sliding scale and it depends on, you know, a lot of different things. Uh, <laughs> what's your budget? How many people you're trying to reach, et cetera. There are, um, you know, and that's why you hear the terms micro influencer and nano influencer a lot these days, because if someone has under 50,000 followers or under 10,000 followers, they're going to fall into that micro nano range. And people who don't have that, you know, don't have more than that in terms of follower count, you know, typically aren't being paid for their posts anyway. You know, they, they might just be flattered that a brand is reaching out to them and saying, Hey, we want to do a collaboration. And there's lots of influencers out there in the micro and nano space that will exchange product for a review or exchange product for, you know, not a review necessarily, but Hey, I'll post about your product. If you just send me you know some of it. Uh, and to be honest with you, you know, there's companies out there right now that if they sent me free stuff, I'd probably post about it. Right. Uh, as opposed to saying, well, I'll post about it only if you, 
you know, engage me at my rates and whatnot. Like for instance, and this is a weird example, not really applicable, but um, I got like a gift box the other day from Honey Baked Ham, uh, primarily because I had their CMO as a guest on my podcast and it was just a thank you gift for, I guess, having her on the show. But I immediately took a picture of it and posted it, right? And so Honey Baked Ham didn't pay me anything other than what they sent me, which was a mask and, you know, a, a gift bag and some socks and, you know, just cool stuff, just swag. Um, and so there are plenty of influencers out there who will literally just take product and they will turn around and post something about it. Um, there are agencies out there. I interviewed um, uh, Zach Stallsmith not too long ago on my podcast who runs a company in Erie, Pennsylvania called Apex Drop. Mm-hmm. And their whole business is we're going to send product samples to influencers. You don't have to pay the influencers cash money. You just pay them with product and they will generate reviews for your website. They'll generate social posts that you can then you know, pull in and repost on your social channel. So for certain businesses that have a you know, shippable <clears throat> product, uh, online e-commerce, things like that, Apex Drop is a really nice solution uh, to uh, have uh, to, to be able to engage influencers and not have to pay a big price. Now, if you want, just like anything else, though, if you want 50 million people to see or hear about your product on or about February 1st every year, you buy a Super Bowl commercial. That's how that works. If you want 100 million people to see your stuff on Instagram in an instant, then you got to go get a Kardashian to post about it, right? So there's that sliding scale of one extreme to another. You can find influencers out there that have a few thousand followers that are going to, and if you collect enough of them all at once, uh, you can just send them product and get a lot of people looking in and thinking about your product, or you can engage someone with a whole lot of followers uh, and not and pay them a little bit of money and get the same kind of result. So it's a sliding scale of how much you want to reach, who you want to reach, and the type of audience you're looking for. And so what's interesting about that too is um, I do have like five books lying around here somewhere that people have sent me after I was on their podcast or yeah. do you know what I mean? Or they were on mine. And what's interesting is every once in a while people will say, well, what book would you recommend? And while I read books, you know, I don't have them all in hard copy, but those three books, four books, they're right here somewhere. So I'll pull them up and I say this one and this one and this one. And so my point is there are good books, but because Mm -hmm. they sent them to me and they didn't pay me to say that. And I also don't want to look like I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. I just use them. You yeah, got the like, same thing. <laughs> I got here's I got talk triggers by Jay Bear sitting right there. You know, I think I've got yours. I don't think it's on this shelf, but I've got your one of your books up there somewhere. So yeah, I've got the same thing. People send me books and and you know, here's here's my Apex Drop sticker. I got an Apex right. Drop sticker from Zach, right? And so you know, those things are going to be of residual value to your business or brand by just saying, hey, we're just trying to be nice, give you something, you know, share a little content with you. Uh, in the real world that that might turn into a social post at some point. Just make sure it's relevant and uh, that people want it. Of course, uh, we did actually do a show. I don't know if it has dropped yet. Katie Burnett um, with Lessonly about company swag. How do you do that? So Mm -hmm. um, go back and listen to that, guys. Jason, it was great to have you on the show. Make sure when the book comes out, let us know. It's not you cannot pre-order it yet, correct? Not yet. Yeah. The, the publisher uh, at first, it was January, 2021. And now I've been told February, it might be March. So the publishing world is just a big, slow behemoth and I'm waiting on them to give me the thumbs up. I hopefully, hopefully we'll have pre-order links soon, but I'll be glad to keep you guys up to date and come back to talk about it on the show when it's available. And is that because of all the editing that's necessary? 
<laughs> all, all the all the censoring that's necessary. <laughs> that's more like it. I'm just kidding you, but I did enjoy when you were writing it. You you gave us the play by play on Twitter. Cranked yeah. out another chapter today. Did this, did that, and yeah. I thought I thought that's great. Why why not share it as you were working on it? Well, I mean, my kind of my little sort of guerrilla marketing plan was tell people in my network that I'm <laughs> writing it so they can sort of anticipate it's coming. Start the Winfluence podcast as a companion piece while it's being edited and published and whatnot to continue the momentum of people thinking and talking about influence marketing. And then hopefully when the book does come out, I've got a nice audience that's, hey, I've been waiting on this book for a year, so send it to me. So I know that you, you do the podcast live uh, Tuesday mornings, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so make sure you guys follow Jason um, on it goes to Twitter as well, right? It does. The Digging Deeper podcast is live streamed on my channels and Cornette's channels on mm-hmm. Facebook, LinkedIn. It's only on the Cornette LinkedIn, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube and Twitter. Um, and then the other podcast, The Winfluence, I usually just post about that on uh, uh, Twitter and whatnot. When it comes out on Wednesdays and Fridays, I'll let people know a new episode is up. Do you do you think more and more people will do this live streaming thing going out and 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 and, and, and live streaming everything they do? I think so. I mean, in fact, the, obviously, COVID has sort of ignited uh, mm-hmm. the inspiration for that. We're we're doing three or four live streams right now for clients. Um, so it's not just Cornette and me doing a live stream, you know, marketing thing for the marketing geeks out there. Um, you know, our uh, Buffalo Trace Distillery, uh, the world's uh, most award winning uh, distillery. Uh, does uh, Whiskey Wednesdays at two o'clock on Wednesdays on Facebook and uh, uh, Twitter and YouTube where um, Harlan Wheatley, the master distiller or some other person at the distillery gives you a little tour uh, of the distillery and shows you how they make you know some of the world's best bourbon. Um, that's been going on now since, you know, probably March or April uh, when, when they started doing that. Uh, I just wrapped up a month of doing a pregame show for Keeneland Thoroughbred Racetrack that was a live stream uh, you know, sort of pregame show to help bring the Keeneland experience home since the fans couldn't come out to the track to experience thoroughbred racing this fall. So you're starting to see brands do it a lot more. Um, and I think you're going to continue to see brands uh, and individuals continue to do it because it's it's fast, it's easy, it's relevant, uh, it's cheap, uh, and it's much more engaging and entertaining than just seeing that sort of static content fly by in your social stream. Do you have any tips for beginners in live streaming? Oh man, I could. I think I wrote an ebook about this. Uh, there's an oh. ebook somewhere out there <laughs> how to live stream like a pro. Uh, I think it's on Cornette's website. But uh, yeah, the, the 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 main things that I would uh, recommend to you is number one, uh, there's a lot more preparation that goes into a live stream to make it good than you anticipate. So plan it out. Plan what you're going to talk about. Plan what you're going to say, and but go into it knowing that this is live internet technology. There are 47 dominoes that have to fall in exactly the right order for everything to work perfectly. And I promise you something will not work perfectly. So like for right now, Christoph uh, is we're, we're in switcher studio and switcher studio has to get through his Wi-Fi to uh, or his internet at home to switcher studio servers and then switcher studio servers kick it over to restream and then restream kicks one to twitter and one to linkedin and one to facebook there's so many different things that can break there something's gonna break so try to anticipate as much as you can ahead of time have some troubleshooting you know sort of uh you know 
contingency plans in place, but also this is live internet. Everybody gets it. We understand it breaks sometimes. Don't stress out if it's not perfect every time out because it's not going to be. Fantastic advice. Thanks again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Nice seeing you. Glad to be here, Christoph. Appreciate you having me, man. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. Until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Thank you.